1993, Final Approach changed the way we hunt waterfowl. Now, over 25 years later, we're back at it. My name's Mario, host of the FA Podcast. Let's talk waterfowl tips, tricks, tactics, and more. It's all going down right here with the Final Approach Podcast. If you know anything about waterfowl hunting, if you're ever laid in a layout blind and thought, where did that idea come from? Uh, how did I get here? Why are there so many on the market? What What is up and what is down? Like, what is what is the answers to all these questions? We, we go back to early 90s and... Uh, and we go, we, we, we step into Ron Latchaw's head. And what what were you doing at the time, Ron? Were you guiding? Yeah, I was. Guiding in the, I was actually guiding uh, waterfowl in the fall, and I was guiding salmon fishing up on the Kenai Peninsula, Alaska, in the summer. Gotcha. And when, like, when did the idea come to you that you're like, there's got to be, there's got to be a better way to hide like, like, where did the, you know, do you remember what you were doing? Like, were you done digging holes? Like, wh- like, what did it? What triggered it? Yeah, I was de- definitely done digging holes. <laughs> getting up at, you know, getting out there at uh, 10 o'clock. I let the birds get done with their feed, not waiting around for them, going back, having their, coming back out in the dark and digging pits. Oh. You know, we knew the spots marked and everything where we wanted the pits in. But hand digging pits. Over a period of, I couldn't tell you how many years I did that. Right. That it was a long time. I just got sick of it. And I was trying to think of a way to get people out in the middle because, you know, you're talking about clients now. Right. And something make, something that would be comfortable for them to lay in. Laying is the reason, the reason I said it because you needed to get low out there. And the right, only thing I could right. come up with something that looked like amount in the field you know something wasn't so wouldn't cast shadows so bad or whatever right yeah. some kind of amount that was uh i started out with a three-man blind to tell you the truth uh actually willie Ellingworth, willie boats him and i were good friends and uh, we right. welded up three different versions in his shop one afternoon on a sunday the frames and uh got him pretty well dialed in it took a while to get the, the covers made for him and all that stuff to actually put them in use and test them and see how they really worked it uh, long and short was of the thing after I did get those blinds completed and headed at them I soon realized after talking to a lot of people that were possibly buying the product right. that where'd you get three guys with one blind okay you don't buy into one blind like that a three-man blind, for instance, unless right. it was a guy and his two sons or something, you know, that um, they worked well. Everything was, they blended in well. They worked really well and everything. I knew they were going to work, but I had to come up with a better way. Uh, these were sliders in the beginning. I, that's right. They were called slider blinds. They were really high-tech, really well designed. They were a good design. They were really well built, all Healy arc welded, and TIG welded, I should say, and um, expensive to build. And the, expensive. and the tops, the tops slid down, right? That's yeah. why they were called the sliders, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. You'd lay back in the blind. And it, was, it was comfortable. It had a backrest and everything, but you'd lay back in the blind. And uh, 
only thing that was sticking out above the lid itself and the opening, the head hole, was your eyebrows, basically, you know? Right. And your baseball cap. So it worked out well. You could see well out of the blind from behind and everything else, you know, if you had birds working it. But it was uh, just too damn expensive, you know? Right. Too big. couldn't afford the product. Right. Too big, too expensive, and it was for three guys. So so did they, you? Well, actually, those were one-man blinds. Those were the one ones. Once I started producing were one-man blinds, that because I just knew that I was be able. Yeah, you know, I did a couple shows down in San Mateo and stuff in California, and had them laid out there on the floor. People were getting in them and stuff, and you know it didn't take long to figure that the the, the product that was going to be wanted more than anything was a one-man blind. Right. Right. So then, so then off that off that one man slider. So when do you when do you decide like okay we need to get, you know we need to go into full production. We need to figure out how to, you know somewhat mass produce it or at least, you know get a lot made. What's the next step? Well, the next step was I had to get away from the slider and go into the, the what was the eliminator blind. And actually, I was with Tim Grounds up in Canada. Met up with him. We were doing some uh, video stuff together, and he he loved the bright, he loved the concept of the blind, the slider. That was awesome. But he said, "Man, people can't afford this damn thing. You need to come up with something that's going to make make more sense for the average hunter." You know, right? And so as soon as I got done with that trip, I went right back to the drawing board and I came up with the flip open lids, you know, with the floor and everything, gun rest, everything I could think of that needed to be in the blind to make it a safe product for people to use and all that. The gun rest, so the people had a gun pointing up and out away from That's right. them. That's and right. uh, the whole thing. And it uh, once I started showing that product around, I, re- you know, I realized it was going to be a pretty pretty good uh, pretty good design. You know, and I, I did a little bit of improvement on it. I, I went from the regular limiter blade, which had the straight headrest in the back. Yep. Yep. Headrest version, which was the pro guide. Yep. You know, and I added like a shell bag and then a couple little things like that, uh, just to make it a little more, you know, desirable for people. So the but, first, uh, so the first ones, so the first ones that were, were made with you know the camo material. And did you go to aluminum at first? Once you <laughs> once you started making, yeah, them? I always used aluminum, right? right? But I was using those tubing on the. You know, the newer versions, the eliminators were all um, T-66 um, aluminum, right. aircraft aluminum, so they're a real rigid product, right. you know? Right. Now, was uh, where were the first ones made? Were the first ones made here in the U.S.? Yeah. The frames were all done in the U.S. for, for the first couple of years. Right. And and uh, the covers were being done offshore with the same people sure. that you guys are using, uh, P&T. Right. And um, I think they're building about everybody's blinds now. If you want to know the truth, right? PNT, right? <laughs> so, and then, and then is you know, and and nobody, I don't know. Some guys might know the name if they're really into it, but Duke Levan's up in Washington. So was was, and Duke's been a CNC machine guy uh, forever. So was Duke was Duke helping you on the frames at the start, or or how does that mm-hmm. how does Duke come into play then? Yeah. The, the frames all came. The guy that used to work for Willing Willie Elling, he used to do all the raft frames, welded up raft frames and yep, stuff. Yep. With the guides. And uh, he was a hell of a welder. His name was Vic. And 
I brought him on board. You know, I asked if he'd be interested to do it. We had to buy bending, you know, bending tools and all that stuff. Right. It was a different program, and it was doing well. It was all being connected by uh, marine parts, you know, like they used yep. for bimini tops and yep. for boats. Yep, yep. And, uh, and actually, I ended, I ended up having all that stuff made over offshore, too, through P&T. They were getting all the, the uh, molding done for me there through somebody. But, uh, you know, it just took a while to get everything tuned into where where it was a, like a well-oiled machine, you know, when you right. open the box, simple to put together, really easy to set up in the field in the morning, you know, just the whole deal. But Vic and I spent a lot of time in the shop, you know, coming up with different ways to do it to make it a nicer product, you know, and maybe a little easier for him on his end. And uh, he had three people working for him full-time while gotcha. we were doing this project here, so... We stayed pretty busy. I built a nice shop in Grants Pass, Oregon. That's where I was living at the time. Right, right. Then, well, I mean, you know, it, the majority, the majority of the, and this is what you know, we're talking about, you know, early '90s. Okay, so, so we're we're in the 2020s right now, and we're talking about everything that happened on the first, you know, slider slash then eliminator blind. Uh, and how far ahead you were in the market because i mean that the layout blind is still being you know reworked and made today most of the parts that you came up with like nobody's found any better parts you know mm -hmm. for certain things i mean you know it's it's crazy to think that i mean you're you're that far ahead of it you're 30 years ahead of everybody and it's still going that I mean, I mean that literally. I mean, if you're a waterfowler, if you're a waterfowler, and whether you're 15 and just starting, whether you're 45 and and going at it hard, or you're 65 and still love doing it, like if you get in a layout blind, like this is where this is where the industry changed for waterfowl. This is where the category changed. I mean, everything hinged off of that layout blind there's no doubt no doubt you know because you you go from the layout blind and then you know and we'll get into this but other companies spin off and start doing it but then there's a lot of other companies that see and i shouldn't even say companies i should say guys guys see ron latchaw with an idea and all of a sudden it's a great idea, and the and, he, and all of a sudden, it's a company. Final Approach is a company, and making products, and the the waterfowl guys are eating it up, like because there's been nothing like it. And then you see all these other guys go. If Ron can do it, I can do it. You know what I mean? And then it just goes crazy. You know what I mean? And, and and we'll talk to all those guys as, as we go through this series. But, you know, you're talking about, you know, you're talking about Don Guthrie and Columbia River decoys. You talk about Dave Smith and Dave's DSD decoys. You know, you, you go back and, 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 and Perry Nordhaus and Black Widow flocking. Like nobody knew, had an idea on what the flocking was back then. And there were so many, so many companies. You had Mallard Marine and a Marsh Rat. You ha I mean, there was... I mean, countless. I mean, I'm sure you could rattle more. Like, there were so many at the time that all of a sudden followed, and the waterfowl category just 
absolutely blows up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. It, it was, um, it, it was, uh, I guess, um, being copied by people around you like that. Yeah, you have to take it as a compliment because you can't really, uh, you know, you can't fight that kind of stuff. It's gonna, it's progress, you know. So, so, was there, was there a thought, and I don't know if you even could. Was there, was there a thought or an idea to patent the actual yeah. blind? Oh, yeah, I did. I did. I went through all the, the procedure of getting the the thing I was trying to patent was the uh, flip open lids. Could gotcha. not, could not patent that that idea because it was uh, on ships and stuff like that boats vessels and, right. you know they, they put these little split open lids for crawling down into the the holes of boats and stuff like that and that was you know somebody back way way oh back when it cut up cut up came up with the category patented it and kept the patent going you know they, they did the renewal on it every wow. whatever 15 years like they're supposed to so you couldn't it was it was a like product or a like idea you know right I mean, listen. If there's if there's a patent on that eliminator, like so much other stuff doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, exactly. I mean, you know, twenty other companies don't make one. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and it's a major. I mean, at that point, it would have been a major blow, and they would have had a chase in other ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I I still. Oh my! I spent time and money with the attorneys, trying to figure out a way to patent that that the product. But the big thing that needed to be patented that product. But I mean, I've got design patents on it. I've got, right. a, I think I hold about nine or ten different patents actually. Right. right. But you know, the design patent is not the patent you want. That's you, right. You keep people the wolves away from the door. You know, you need to have the uh, the utility patents, and that's the, the you know if they're you get the right attorney and they do everything right, they can really. They're strong. You know, they can protect you well. So, but I couldn't get those lids patented. There's no way. <laughs> I mean, so. that, like I said, that would have been that would have been a, a, a very big. It'd be a, a very big change, and it would have changed the whole landscape today. There's yeah. no doubt. From then, from then on, it would have been ridiculous. So, so who's involved at the time? Like, who's who's helping out at the time? Like, you know, I know. I know Tim Grounds was was there definitely from the start. Uh, mm-hmm. You and Tim had hit it off uh, big time, but but who else is involved at the time and and helping you know get Final Approach going as far as you know getting the word out and and stuff like that as far as waterfowl guys, big name. Well, Freddie Zink was my my very first pro staffer, and I and I. Um, you know, uh, Tim was telling me early on because Fred back then was hot in the calling circuit, you know. That's right. He's a good caller, and he That's had a right. following and all that. Yep. And, yeah, he said, let's get old of Fred and see if he'd be interested in trying out one of your blinds because he does a lot of goose hunting himself where they live there. Him and his dad used to have some stuff leasing. It was like great goose hunting, you know. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, long no story short, I got him the product, and, and uh, he liked it, used it, and – he started when he would go to the shows and stuff to sell Tim's calls. He was, you know, he was selling grounds calls back then. Right. Before he started building his own. Right. And uh, he'd take a blind with him and start showing people. So he was helping out a lot back in his area, you know, over in the United States. And Tim was 
talking to a lot of people about it. Right. And I, I had a really strong pro staff team. I got, you know, I had Sean Mann, I had yep. Dave, Dave Smith, and I had uh, Saunders. And I, I mean, I can't tell you how many, there's a bunch of them that I had, you know, but uh, a lot of guys that were well known in the industry and um, most of them were callers. That's for right. sure. Well, and those were, the, those were the guides and the killers and the guys that everybody were looking at to, to you know, how do you guys kill birds consistently? You know what I mean? You talk about Sean Mann. You talk about Grounds. Uh, you talk about Dave Smith and Bill Saunders and, and Corey Hamrick and those guys that were over this way in the West and, and everybody that was on the calling circuit, everybody that was chasing birds. Yeah. And, and when the show started and you started taking products and going, people started paying attention like, oh, my God, what's that? You know what I mean? I mean, I remember seeing the first blind at the, sh- the one of the shows that I went to for the first time, and my my head almost exploded. You know what I mean? I was like, I was like, I need one of those right now. Like, if I got to carry it through the show, I'll carry it through the show. Like, whatever, I'll take it right now. So I <laughs> could I couldn't get the money out of my pocket fast enough. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, it, it was a great time. You know, it was a great time in my life and. I met a lot of great people and, yep. and uh, had a lot of great support from people and, and uh, you know, made a lot of good friends, you know, over the thing. There's no Foils doubt. was involved heavily. Jeff was. That's right. That's right. We'll get to Foils down the road. That's right, because he, he jumps in and, and he puts his, you know, marketing madness behind it. Uh, there's yeah. there's no doubt he, he gets behind it as well. So, there, you know, it's like the six degrees of, of final approach. Like, everybody has – everybody had – started or 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 touched it or was you know associated with it at the start and then everything starts branching off and and i really think that everything else in the waterfowl category blows up because of that blind and those products because then it's like okay i stepped up my game on the hide now i really do need to buy you know, at that time was like a hundred dollar goose call. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or a $75 goose call was a lot of money. And it's like, I got to step up my game. I got to get a grounds. I got to get, I got to get a Sean man. I got to get a Saunders. I got to, I got to get, you know, I got to step my game up. I got to get this. I got to get that. So that that's when, that's when the pro staff, you know, whole thing really gets, you know, crack okay. it, you know? Yeah. So, so we talk about, so Fred, so Fred Zink, so Fred's the first pro staffer and then Fred stays on for how long? You know, it might've only been like a year and a half or something. It wasn't much more than that. Right. Cause then he, then, then Fred goes into his own call business and, and starts and, and I don't think, I don't think there was any, uh, I think Tim and and all those guys were like, "Go for it." I, I don't, I don't, I don't think there was any animosity there on the call circuit. Um, Just for a short period, it didn't last very long, you know. But you know, it's it's you know, it's human nature. You got somebody that you've been, you know, paying to go do the shows for you and helping out and giving them free products and whatever these guys do to get stuff to happen with the, right. with their staffers, you know. Right. And then all of a sudden they decide they're going to go on their own. I mean, it's just. That's just normal. You yeah, know what I mean? It doesn't matter what kind of job you're in or that's what kind of business. 
Right. It's, yeah, it's create, the nature you of the create your own competition when you do that stuff. So. Right. I mean, you, you know, your you know grounds and foils. You know, Fred was learning from them, learning from all these other guys. Like it was, it was bound to happen. So then, so then he starts that. So then, so then, I mean, I mean, and this is a pivotal, this is a pivotal time because final approach is going, going strong, and Fred leaves, and the whole Avery Outdoors starts. And, and, and this is when, you know, and and this is, I'm coming through at this time, you know what I mean? And I'm watching all this and this is when the lines are drawn in the sand. You know what I mean? You, you are either here, you are either on the FA side or you are on the Avery side. There's no, there was nobody playing both sides. Right. Yeah. Ben, Avery was really mostly clothing before uh, before Fred, you know, got there. talked him into going into the blind business. Right. So right. They did bags and things like that, but you know, waterfowl gear, but not not hides. You know, not uh, blinds at all. Right. So it doesn't. Well, you know what they did? I'm sorry. They had that boat blind, I believe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. But but there was no there was no layout blinds until Fred got no. there, and then it was a little bit after, and then they came came out and they. You know, like I said, then it was the war. You know what I mean? And it was. It was it yeah. was the F.A. Avery War. And if you were at, you know, if you were at a retail store, because I remember working them, you know, this was this was this was way back. I mean, I remember, you know, being at a show and you were doing everything you could to sell the final approach stuff. And you were looking at the Avery guys like we were going to go outside and fight. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, it was like that. <laughs> I don't know if everybody was like that, but I was just, I was just in a different mode. I was like, this is like, this is a war and we're, we're going to, we're going to do everything we can to win. So, yeah. you know, and this goes on for a long time, you know what I mean? But this, right. but that's the cornerstone of, you know, the, the, the waterfowl category, you know, expanding and, you know, did, did the competition help move products? Like it, it, it made the whole category move, you know what I mean? Lots more. So I, I guess it was a good thing. Uh, but, but, you know, like you said, it wasn't a great thing that, you know, that Fred left and went over there and then started, you know, everything that you guys, that you were doing and started. So that, you yeah. know, that's not peachy, but that's business, whatever. Well, it's an, it, it, anytime you're in this type of an industry, I think when, when you've got good people working for you that are helping promote your company and they know the, they actually know the product inside and out because right. they use it. They don't just talk about it, but they use it. They understand it. And they're the best salesman on the planet because of it. I mean, those people start thinking, you know what? I can make more money doing this myself. And that's exactly what happened with Fred, you know? It happened with, well, sure. it happened with Fred leaving grounds. It happened with Foils when he wanted to go on his own doing calls from grounds and yada, yeah. yada, yada. You know? It's just, it's just uh, yeah. everything trickles down the hill, you know? No, there's no doubt. I mean, it's happened to, well, it's happened to every company that's that's not even just in the waterfowl category, but it's happened everywhere. And every, whether mm-hmm. it's fishing, uh, deer hunting, like it doesn't matter. Like that's a, a natural progression. You know, it's going to happen, you know, and you just, 
you just take that chance. You know what I mean? If you if you have decent people like that, you're trying to keep them around as long as you can, so you can keep your momentum going. <clears throat> you know, and, and at and at that time, it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just, uh, you know, layout blinds, because you guys had blind bags. You know, oh, yeah. there was there was a bunch of other products. You know what I mean? That were getting made. Do you remember? Do you remember what the first thing was after you did the eliminator? Well, the first. Um, the first, What's the matter? Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Uh, the first thing I started making was accessory products to the blinds, like snow covers. Yep. You know, and then I came up with a dog blind, and I came up with a different layout blind. I mean, I, I had I can't remember how many layout blinds I've you know, design. My personal favorite right now is the one I, you know, that I just built. That you know, that, that we just sold out of them actually. But it's a, it's a different. It's just, it's, it's a glorified X Lander. You remember the X Lander? Yeah. Oh yeah. So that blind is uh, a, everybody loved that blind because you really got low on it. You could hide it between corn rows and stuff like that if you wanted to and go away. But uh, it was too it was too tight. I never did like it because of that. But right. anyway, this one I made is bigger, long. It's longer, wider, and it's got the same. It's exactly the same height at the headrest and the foot foot into the blind. But it's just a lot nicer product because you got more room and everything. But anyway, it, the, the reason I like that those blinds so much is because they're so freaking simple. You know, I mean, all right. you do is fold them up, put them in the vehicle. No pins to pull. None of that shit. You know. Right. You it's just right. You just get easy. in it. You open it up, get in it, hunt. Close it, throw it in the truck, leave. You can put it into a Volkswagen <laughs> bug and go hunt. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Listen, the X-Lander was, was without a doubt. When, when that came out, uh, I remember, you know, how how low profile you could be in a field uh, right. and not be seen. And it was just, it was obscene at the time because, you know, the Eliminator was a big blind, but it was so roomy and it was so comfortable and there's been... There's been so many, you know, naps taken in those blinds that it's ridiculous. But, you know, everybody was, you know, so into those. And then the X-Lander comes out and goes, oh, man, I got to get that because there's I got a couple other places that I could go and I could put that and I could be low profile. And I know I'm not going to be as comfortable, but we're going to just smash them. And then, you know, and then that started. And then it's like you said, you started making other blinds for other situations and the right. dog blind and all this other stuff. So yeah, so it really, it really starts taking off. And then, you know, and then I felt, you know, watching all this at the time as a, you know, I was in Oregon at the time. I was living here at the time, and of course I was on the FA side. But I was watching it, and it, it was just, it just seemed interesting watching. You know, it's like a chess match. Like I watched Final Approach make a move. Then Avery makes a move, same move kind of, and then you guys make a move, and then they make a move, uh, you know. And it it just seemed like there was a lot of, a lot of times they were making they were going to do the same product, and they were making other products as well. They 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 had yeah. some innovation, they had some ideas of their own, but it just seemed like they were, you know, you'd come out with a new blind, and they'd look it over and go, okay, here's a couple of things we could change and fix, and and go after that blind. So it was. It was a lot of reaction, you know. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's how I saw it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, here, here's the thing that I that 
I always strive for with, with anything in the in the final approach lineup was I, I wanted the durability, I wanted the quality of the blind, I wanted to be durable, I wanted to be user friendly, right. easy to set up in the morning in the dark or whatever, or any of that stuff when it came to blinds, and I wanted longevity. Right. That was a big thing I, I wanted was the product that would hold up and last more, for more than half a season. You know what I mean? There's I no mean, doubt. T- I can tell you for a fact, because I know it, I've heard it from so many people myself and seen the product myself when it was out there at first, but that finisher blind, I'm not bad enough and Freddie because it was a great idea, but it wouldn't. It was not durable. And I guess it was a bitch to put it together in the dark. I've never had to do that, but right. I've heard it just... Everybody claims the final push plans that they bought back even when I had the company are they're still hunting on them. Listen, there's of them. there's no doubt. I'll tell you what I I'll tell you just you know, just for for giggles, I have I have two FA eliminators older than my kids. Uh they are both functionable, no rips, no tears, no issues, no no problems. I have Ooh. I still <laughs> so I also have, uh, like, an, an F.A. neck gaiter that's older than my kids. I have a mutt hut that's older than the kids. I have, uh, I literally just threw away, and I, I didn't want to do it, but the bottom was eaten out because the uh, mice got into it at my shop, and it was my extreme backpack that I had. And I... I I don't know how old that was, but I think I got the backpack not far after the blind. I mean, it was, I mean, the stuff that I have is, that's still in working order is so old. And we should probably have it in the museum, but, you know, (laughs) but it's still functional and it still hunts today. So I'm not the only one. There's no doubt. There's piles of guys, you know, that have, um, you know, older blinds uh, that were made by you and were were made durable. Uh, you know, and listen, and on, then on the other stretch, because because you and I know, you know, when the, as the progression of the company goes and it's sold once, then it's sold again. It gets into some hands, and and I'll definitely talk about this in this whole series. Is that the blinds definitely take a turn for the worse, and the factory gets changed. And the parts get changed, and the aluminum gets, uh, you know, shitted up. Let's call it. I mean, let's just call it like we see it. And and this is when uh, they went cheap. That's what you call it. They went cheap on everything. Right. And and at this point, you know what I mean. This is down the road, and we'll talk about this more. But but this is when you pull, you're out. You know what I mean. You mm-hmm. you, you finally, uh, you know, sold it once. You stayed on to do stuff, and then you get out the second time on the second sale. And that's when, like you said, that's when they cheapen it up and that's when they go that route. So, and, you know, I guarantee there's guys listening to this going, oh man, I had one of those and it was garbage. And absolutely, because if you bought it between this period and this period, when they were at a different factory making blinds, I guarantee you, because I know I had a couple of those and I broke all of them. You know what I mean? They went in the garbage. You know, I kept the covers and I think I put... <laughs> I think I cut, I think I cut a couple of covers up and put them on a couple of marsh rats. You know what I mean? So layout <laughs> boats. So so you know you always you always got to use something. So I you know, it it was a progression of of the company and where it was going. So there's no no doubt that there's guys that saw the other side too, and maybe they just got into waterfowling at that time. So you know you feel like 
I, you know, I always feel like I, ha- I want to give them an explanation of what happened during that stretch because that's not what final approach was about. Sure. Yeah. You know, definitely wasn't me. Yeah, it, it wasn't what it it wasn't what you had set out to do. You know, and now we we come back thirty years, and now we're we're here, and I I come full circle. I'm in, in, involved in the company now, helping in you know do stuff and whatever and i'm in the same mentality of where you were whereas like you know we want to build quality stuff decent price and the durability and the quality and the longevity of the product is what we're trying to go back to and and you know but it was lost in that section and that's what you know that's what sucks but you can't do nothing about it because me and you had no no input weren't involved weren't around like can't do nothing about it so you just gotta you know eat that section of it and 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 uh, blame the people that had it <laughs> yeah, pretty really. simple you know right? like it, most of those people that buy companies like that you know they're trying to they're huge companies they're trying to be more well-rounded i guess is their version of it you know they want to be into the maybe duck cunning big game they want to be in a maybe some backpack equipment you know that right. those people always it seems like every time they buy a small company like mine like that that, that they like because it's basically the you know it was a cash cow and we sold it that's what the attorney sold us that's right you know and um and that's it you know and the big reason i sold the company really is because my my wife then was she'd come out with ms and she was having she was struggling with it and she was a big part of the business because she was in the office doing less stuff daily, right. you know? Right. So it was just time. Right. It was time to let go of it, you know? Right. And and when you sold it the first time, you sell it to Colpin. Is that who gets yeah. it? Right? That's who gets it first. Yeah. And then yeah. you, you stay on, though, to help yeah. design and help do stuff and help, you know, keep the, you know, the name and the ideology, let's call it, you know, and... Yeah everything intact because that's you know listen anybody that sells their company that started it from scratch you know blood sweat tears the whole deal you know it's their baby they sell it off and they want to keep an eye on it and make sure it goes down the right road and you know you always have you know that's why that's that's why they kept me on you know i mean we were getting i was was making good money right with them and they were paying me nicely to to do all that stuff, but there's a reason for it. They understand that too, you know. So when that so. when that happens, do you, you know, when the, when the sale happens, so Copen gets it, and Copen was like a, uh, like a, like a, I want to say like ATV. an ATV, right? ATV because there was no UTVs at the time, so it was like an ATV accessory company, and yeah. and they were it was a good it was a good company. They had good products. So I, I think, you know, you were you were thinking just like everybody else, like they have good products. Like, I don't think they're going to cheapen it out and do anything. And they they didn't. You know what I mean? They kept things going. You kept an eye on everything. And and the business goes to Colpin and they expand and and then they come up with a couple other. You know, there were some ATV things that they incorporated with like a gun case and. And oh my God, I remember the, I can never get, 
the image out of my mind of Tim Grounds on the damn ATV with the ATV mitts on, like the things over the handlebars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, I crack, I crack anytime I see that because it was like just the attitude. Like I'll have to post that picture up on uh, on Instagram and social media because. It is like the it is Tim Grounds to a T. He's like on the four wheeler with sunglasses on and his hands are in these things, and he just looks like he does not give a damn about anybody. And that was so. <laughs> that was so Grounds. Those those bits were my design, you know. That was listen. That was a killer, killer product, and I remember, I remember guys really using them on the damn. Uh, on the boat tiller, right? On the boats, on the tiller yeah. handles. Oh my god! That was my whole intent. Was originally when I came up, it was for running tiller motors, you know, because you freeze your freaking hands off There's and start no doubt. running up the river. You know, wintertime going duck hunting and stuff. No doubt, that and, was huge. Yeah. So that's what that was all about, and then they incorporated into the, the Copa lineup with the bits for the ATVs, you know, the handlebars. Right. So. Right. They totally get into that. That was. That was right on the money. There's no doubt. That fit perfect. And that was a great, that was another, you know, that was another solution to a problem, you know what I mean, that you guys were fixing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's, yeah. right, and that's when it gets, that's when it gets, you know, that's when things get really good, when people actually need the stuff you're putting out. You're, you're, you're not creating a product, you're creating a solution. And that's really, mm -hmm. you know, when you're doing everybody a service and then they come back and they keep buying other items because they're solutions to everything else. You know what I mean? So I do. So as you as you go more to a I don't want to say a national brand, but but now Culpin has some money and some push behind everything. And it's a bigger corporation and you're like a main piece in that, you know, things start to, you know, get a little wider, you know what I mean? As far as, you know, national, like it, it you know, cause it was always, always big out West here because that's where it started. And then when you had grounds and grounds was, was banging the drum and, and Sean man and everything was going good, but then it just, you know, it starts growing and growing more because it's getting to more and more places and getting into more and more faces and people are seeing it. So then it grows. And then you got some corporate money behind it to push, you know, with more advertising and, and showing everybody, you know, the products. And, and at that time, you know, it's print media or TV. There's no, well, there wasn't, well, there was TV, but it was a lot to be on TV. It was videos, really. <laughs> it was videos and and print, yeah, print. That's the other thing. I started doing. Well, yeah, earlier I was doing quite a bit of video work with Tim. Right. You know, him and I were in a lot of it. Sandra was involved in some of it, and uh, Zink was involved in some. Kevin Gross, who was uh, mm -hmm. a, a baseball player, well baseball player at one yep. time. Yep, and I remember Kevin was some of it. Yep. Yeah. There was a bunch of guys actually. Yeah, I know. Oh, my God, the. Yeah, the VHS tapes. I mean, that's. I mean, that's taking it back. I mean, that was that was the social media of way back when, and I yeah. still have a pile. I still have a pile in my, in my closet. I kept them all. I have so many of those. But that that's when that's when things like really, 
you know, really start stretching and more ways to advertise and push and get it out there and show everybody and and get it. Now, because Tim was Tim was filming for his calls, wasn't he? Or he just said, hey, let's get together and let's do all this. Right. We were. Well, most of the time, it was a final approach um, um, marketing tool. And Tim was involved because right. he was a star in his own right. You no know? doubt. And, you know, we were, his calls would obviously get a lot of press because we're raw blowing his calls and we're hunting, you know. Right. He gets, he gets to talk about them. And what, what do you use today, Tim? You're always coming up with an idea. Every other week, you got a new call coming out. What are you blowing today, you know? And we had Hunter involved, his son, on a bunch of stuff. And, yeah, the whole thing was just – it was just kind of a joint effort. I, I would say that we were – paying for most of it you know as far as doing the production work and the right. filming and all that stuff but it was helping but everybody it was, it was a win-win it really was it was a good thing so yeah so the first one so i have an old catalog and this is way old so first one that i see is autumn's harvest was that one and then yep. hunter g's 007 and yep. then and then the one that really i think uh I think the one that that took everything to the next level was Full Moon Fever. When and that was my favorite. That was like when Full Moon Fever, like you know, when Full Moon Fever hits, and and guys are getting a hold of that VHS and watching that and telling their buddies and everybody's like buying it and sharing it or where did you get it? I mean, I think. That's what put like video and waterfowling together was no doubt that video that just blew everything out of the water and everybody was like, what? <laughs> so, yep. and I think everything kind of, and, and so there's another, there's another, you know, milestone thing that happens in the industry, you know, that you guys are a part of that, that changes the landscape, you know, from then yeah. on till now, it's still going. So, yeah, yeah it was some, um, there was definitely, <laughs> definitely some great, great hunting in, in the in that particular video, and there wasn't a couple of the other ones too, actually. But uh, oh, there's no I doubt. Just liked the one I really did. I, I just thought that one, as far as all the other ones, and and there were they were there was definitely good ones and better ones after that. And, and it just keeps going. Cause then everybody starts figuring out more things to do and more tricks and talk about this and do that. But I just remember that one setting it off for everybody. Like, like, did you see that, you know, it was one of those, it was one of those moments, you know what I mean? And then everything kind of, you know, everything kind of goes nuts from there because really at that point, you don't you didn't get you weren't in the decoy business yet on final approach so there was no decoy so at that time it was it was Corey and marcus and hardcore decoys that's what right. you guys were using let me just say something i never was in the decoy business with final approach that, okay that's that right. wasn't my baby at all that's right so. that's right you uh, we're not we're not blaming that on you at all uh Thank so, you. so but at the time uh for the videos and everything else I mean, that's what you guys are using, especially, you know, out here in the West and when, when Tim comes out or whatever. I mean, you had Corey and Marcus, and that's what Bill 
Saunders was using, so that's what you guys were using. And then there was some, I don't know if there was any Dave Smiths in there, but that's when, you know, that's oh, what yeah. I said. That's yeah, when, we did Dave Smith. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's when, that's when Dave Smith, you know, gets a push and starts going. And then Saunders and his calls gets a push because of that. And Marcus mm-hmm. and Corey and them, then hardcore starts blowing up. And, and I mean, this is the this is the groundwork of the waterfowl category and it starts expanding and getting bigger, but everything, you know, everything is coming from the FA camp and it starts there and then it just starts pushing out because, you know, if, if, if somebody like say Corey and Marcus or Dave, or, you know, those guys don't see you like go for it, you know, and, and make it, you know, they might not go, oh, maybe I should try this. I think I can do it. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you push, you make it. And then everybody else is looking, going, I can do that. I know I can do that. I know I got the right well, stuff. You know, it's a group, it's a group of people working together like that. And we, we all helped each other right. in that respect too, you know, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. I, I remember, you know, the first time I meet Don Guthrie with Columbia River decoys and then Don's like, Oh yeah, me and Dave and, we're doing this and we're doing that. And then, you know, and then it's like, you know, Don was buying bags from you for the decoys and, and everything, there's no doubt everybody was in helping each other get moving at the time. And then it just grows and keeps growing and it just gets, um, I I guess it just goes corporate. (laughs) Yeah, it gets interesting. <laughs> you know, it goes, it, it goes. There's another guy, there's another guy that was really a great help to, to final approach. And I, and I, and I, and I Sean, Sean Stahl, and I, he's a, I, I oh, consider yeah. Sean Stahl a very good friend, even though we don't hardly talk to each other once, you know, anymore like we used to. But he was really behind the, uh, all the products, and he was like, the hell of a hunter. He really is. He's as good as, good as he's as good as a get, really, for a goose hunter. But that kind of all that stuff. He's a great caller. You know, he won the world with foils call that first year he went out there. That's right. But he's just a real good speaking, you know, professional person that people look up to. You know, and he he's just a, a nice guy, great guy to have behind you. Well, and and Sean was Sean was one of those guys. Uh, just like you said, Sean was one of those guys to like give back and do stuff as well. Because I remember, you know, listen, there, there was no social media at the time. So there was only forums and like for the waterfowl guys and everybody to stay in touch. It was like the flock knocker website. It was like the flock knocker forum. And, yeah. and, and, you know, I'm dating myself, but we're going back to that. But I remember every year they did like a, a flock knocker hunt in like eastern washington or or wherever it was and i remember i remember seeing like sean stall's like i'm i'm coming out this year i'm coming out and i was like oh my god so i called bill and i'm like hey do you guys have room i'm coming up yeah yeah come on so it was like we spent you know a couple days with bill and sean stall and Corey and those guys and everybody and it was just like you said, it was just a really good time, really good guys, and Sean is no doubt uh, a, a great, great guy. I still talk to him to this day, and he's just a good dude. There's no doubt, no yeah. doubt. Yeah, he is. But anyway, yeah, I want to mention Saul, Saul because you know we're talking about foils and everybody else. And yes, 
It's like, ooh, that's good to say anything about Sean because he was pretty instrumental in helping with the set. And he has a lot of good ideas too. He really does. Well, you know. and, well, he 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 is an end user like all of us, and he has a situation or a problem and has a solution. You know what I mean? So he he's an idea guy too. And like you said, he was huge on that calling circuit. I mean, at the time on the goose calling circuit, I believe like him and Fred were going head to head that whole time. And, and it was, it was, I think it was back and forth the whole time. So if Fred wasn't yeah, winning, I think, I think Sean was, was in, Powers was in there too. About, about that time. I can't remember. Kelly Powers. Yeah. They were all kind of there at the same yep. time. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt. Yeah. I mean, it was, and, and it was all up that, that central slot right there. You know, you had Sean in Michigan and, and, uh, Fred was in Ohio, and Kelly Powers was down in Tennessee, I believe. And then you have Browns and Hunters in Illinois right there. So, I mean, and Foils is in Illinois. I mean, everything is, is jumping off in that little section right there. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it catapulted, you know, a ton of things, uh, other products, other brands, other people, you know, because if it's not – if it wasn't final approach at the start and the guys didn't get to come on a video or go to a show and talk to people and get their name out, I mean, that's why I said this is this is the brand that started it all. And no matter what anybody else does in this industry or keeps going, you still have to look back to the history and say that final approach is where the waterfowl category truly got a grasp on the market and started like branching out and 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 making the category what it is today you know it all stems from it there's no doubt so you 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 need to you need to first of all take the blame for that (laughs) but you but you also uh need to take a bow for that i mean like like you know, listen, we could sugarcoat this all we want, but I'm telling you, if you don't if you don't do what you do at that time, Ron, none of this stuff happens for everybody else. And I understand that everybody worked hard and got what they, you know, deserved and they, they put their time in and everything else. But I'm telling you, the linchpin is is you and final approach. If you don't do that, like none of this stuff happens, or maybe it happens ten years later or whatever. I'm not sure. But but I'm saying a lot of stuff doesn't go down the way it goes down if you don't make that move and that that yeah. one blind. It's all it, it's it's timing, I guess. You know, I mean, the stars were aligned right for a lot of people. You know, so yeah. But but you know you know you're you're way too humble all the time. But I'm telling you, it doesn't happen if you don't make that move and everything doesn't snowball from there because everybody gets a shot you know, at what they wanted to do after you just like throw a grenade in the field and it blows up and everybody's like, let's go. So, yeah. you know, a lot happens after that. So my, my favorite, hey, my favorite freaking tagline is even a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> whatever. All right, let's do this. I, I've, I've, we, we, we knocked out episode one. I definitely want to do at least one more with you because there's a couple other things I want to touch on. I don't want to keep you too long today, but so let's table some stuff and then come back 
uh, in another week or two or whatever, and I'll just give you a buzz, and we'll just get on again so we can go through some other t- stuff because I want to get to what you're doing now because you're still not out of the business. You're still in. You know what I mean? So I want to talk about a bunch about what's going on and what you're up to, and 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 I want to talk about some other stuff at, at FA as it as it moves through its you know progression, let's call it. So I definitely want to do that. So if you're up for that, I'm all good if you're all right. Good. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. All right, listen, go have dinner, go do whatever you're going to do, and then I'll just be in touch and we'll move from there. Very good. Awesome, That's, Ron. Uh, sounds good. I appreciate the call, okay? Thanks, Ron. I'll talk to you soon, bud. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. It's Ron Latchaw. The, the, I don't care how you scratch it, uh, say it, whatever you do, that is the 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 father grandfather no he's the father of the layout blind he is the creator of that item and it is still in it's it's relevant today 30 odd years later and people are still trying to i mean heck we're still trying to make it better on his idea and it's still going so uh, Nothing happens without Ron Latchaw at that at that time in in the waterfowl category. I cannot stress that enough. It is so important. So we're gonna get with Ron again, go through a bunch of other stuff, but this is the history of final approach is what we're going through. We're calling this series. So I appreciate you listening. Big shout outs to a lot of our our partners that we're hooked up with for this year. Uh, Weatherby. Uh, shotguns, they got some new stuff coming, some stuff that they had out last year that they improved, some very cool shotguns that we have definitely put through uh, the ringer. Big shout-outs to them and the folks in uh, Sheridan and also our our uh, our partner for a long time, Federal Ammunition. I mean, they, are, they, they have been the go-to for so many people, and we are just, you know, happy to be partnered with them and doing as much as we can. And uh, our other two partners are Rogers Sporting Goods, which you can get everything there. Uh, I mean, one-stop shop for waterfowl fishing, deer hunting, you name it. They got it. Uh, and my buddy Rob up in uh, Canada, Ranchland Outfitters. And uh, big shout-out to Rob and the whole crew up there. And then we head up there every year. So big shout-out to him, except for last year, obviously. <laughs> so... Uh, Big shout-outs to everybody there. Thanks for listening. It's the History of Final Approach. I'm Mario. I'm out.